I know this is a weird way to start the episode, and I think this is a flex. I'm not really sure what it is, but you guys, I have so many sex toys. At work, we have sales competitions where the prizes are toys, and I keep winning them somehow. And I don't want to sound ungrateful because I'm not, but I am running out of places to put them. No pun. I walked into my bedroom to fold some laundry the other day, and I literally tripped over one. And I've got half a dozen more of them on the way. This is seriously the weirdest and most surprising problem that I think I have ever had in my life. I'm going to see if I can find a clever way to do some sort of TikTok situation showing off all the shits I have so far, but no promises. I don't know how to be funny using young people technology. Welcome to the Atomic Skull podcast. My name is Matthew and I am so sweaty to be here right now. The temperature has hit triple digits where I am and it is going to stay that way until I inevitably fucking kill myself. I hope everybody is living their best ones out there. I have a lot to get to this week so let's dive in with a Comic-Con wrap-up. I went to the local nerd prom a couple weeks ago and hit the exhibit floor hard looking for some virginity regaining gems to add to the collection. It's always different variations of the same shit at cons, but I'm always able to find a little something. I got a couple graphic tees with references that nobody's going to get but me, and some posters, and then some other little odds and ends. The thing I really wanted to talk about with Comic-Con is nerd culture. Now, there's a bunch of different kind of nerds out there. I am a pop culture nerd. Essentially, that just means that I've got my fingers in a few different pies with things that we all do for entertainment. I can give you either a good recommendation or boring, useless facts about movies, music, video games, TV, books, blah, 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 blah. But there's several other flavors of nerds out there. There's anime nerds, science fiction nerds, computer gaming nerds, and then there's certain singular things that have their own fandoms. Dungeons and Dragons nerds, Lord of the Rings nerds, Star Wars nerds. Basically what I'm saying is there's weird hats, robes, and walking sticks at every Comic-Con as far as the eye can see. One thing that I love about nerds is that they're more or less respectful and non-judgmental. Most nerds have been bullied for a lot of their lives for shit that they like. Our society values taking time to make fun of people for liking shit we don't understand instead of using that same amount of time to try to understand it. So nerds tend to be pretty accepting of most anyone and anything because they know how it feels to be on the business end of that in the wrong way. And the respect part of it, in particular, is more about nerds being shy than anything else. Whereas your average, you know, Brad will walk up to you and say, you're pretty, but you need to smile more while cracking open a Monster Zero. Nerds, 
depending on the confidence, which varies, will either say something wholesome or nothing at all to you. Very rarely do women get hit on at Comic-Cons. The sad thing is that when they do get hit on at cons, it is a complete and utter comedic misfire because nerds will turn into total simps and there is little to no game whatsoever, but they're still drinking Monster Zero. What I love about Comic-Cons the most is people dressing up. Not necessarily that I enjoy looking at all the costumes and whatnot, but I love the idea of anyone being the maximum version of themselves. And at Comic-Con, nerds are far less afraid of judgment about who they are and what they love, so they're being the person that they wish they could be every day. It's similar to Halloween, only it's less spooky and, sadly, a few less sluts. But not many. I've been to a few different cons, and there's always some talent walking around wearing not a lot, and you will get no complaints from me on that, no matter what kind of equipment they have in their pants. On the other end of that, what I will say is that for a cat who has never really had a hell of a lot of confidence in my appearance in particular... I felt like Brad fucking Pitt walking around on that convention hall. That's the other thing about nerds. There's a lot of people who say they don't give a fuck about what you think, but deep down in places they don't talk about at parties, they do give a fuck. There's a lot of nerds who truly do not fucking care, and they have the old clothes, ponytail with the bald spot, and lack a shower to prove it. For as sweet, kind, and non-judgmental as they can be, which are all beautiful things, nerds as a group might not smell that great. <laughs> my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, was my arm candy, of course, and she dressed up like a big titty tattooed Wednesday Adams, and she definitely got a lot of extended looks, which was fantastic. At the end of the day, men are men, and we are going to stare. I'm not justifying it. I am not telling you it's okay, but she was dressed up and she knew it was going to happen. She kind of liked it. As a human race, we have bigger fish to fry than that. I will tell you that the shittiest thing I saw was there was a young lady dressed as Harley Quinn, which... God bless girls that dress like Harley Quinn, and we're just going to leave it at that. But she was dressed like Harley, and she had some ass going on around back with not a lot of coverage over it. Blessed be. But it was in an area that was part of the con, but not exclusive to it. So anyone off the street could just walk through there and... Wouldn't you know it, some piece of shit, Kyle-looking motherfucker, complete with white wife beater and sideways hat, walks through the area while this poor Harley girl was bending over to grab something that fell on the floor, and he took his phone and snapped a picture of her ass while he was walking by. I literally got up from where I was to try to find him and shame him, but he disappeared in the crowd and I lost him before I could do any of that. He did not have a Comic-Con badge on. Seriously. What a piece of shit. We've developed a few Comic-Con traditions over the years that we've gone together, and one of my favorites is dipping out a little early, 
grabbing some greasy food and heading home to watch an old movie, which we did again this year. There isn't a particular time that we like to leave per se. It's usually when Mrs. What's-Her-Name threatens my personal safety for the third time if she, quote, doesn't get out of her Spanx soon, end quote. Hashtag married bliss. While we are on the subject of nerdy shit, I do have to talk about the Across the Spider-Verse movie because it is almost certainly the best movie I've seen so far this year. When I tell you that it was beautiful, I am specifically talking about the aesthetic. There's not a lot of mainstream animated movies that are so gorgeous to look at. I would consider them art. Off the top of my head, and possibly in my notes, The Lion King is gorgeous, Spirited Away, easily my favorite Hayao Miyazaki film. It is literally fucking breathtaking, and if you know who Hayao Miyazaki is, I hope you're able to lose your virginity very soon. I'm rooting for you, killer. Just don't say anything to her about needing to smile more, and you're already 8% on your way. Also, just really quick for animated movies, Coco was fucking gorgeous. Coraline, which I'm totally gonna count as animated, that was fucking beautiful. Even the anime chapter of Kill Bill was lovely. There was so much blood. You know what? Let's gold star that. This week's gold star question, what is the most aesthetically pleasing, beautiful animated movie that you have ever seen? Send me your answers, atomicskullpodcast at gmail.com. Get into them DMs at Atomic Skull Podcast on Instagram and or TikTok. Fuck it, send me your answer twice so I don't miss it. Next week, I will do some cleanup for Gold Star questions and we will go over a few answers from last week's and this week's. Across the Spider-Verse is without a doubt the most beautiful animated movie I have ever watched. Because the story is so different, you don't even need to be a fan of Spider-Man to love the flick. But there's a lot of Easter eggs in it if you are a fan, so that's just a little bonus. And the story in the movie is less about being a superhero and more about family. I would even hazard saying it is going to be the best summer movie about family this year. Suck my ass, Vin Diesel. It is one of the best superhero movies of all time. It is one of the best sequels of all time. Between this and Super Mario Brothers, animated movies are fucking killing it this year. And bonus points because neither one of those are Disney, which is fucking wild. For the Dildo Chronicles this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about assholes, which considering where I work, this could really go anywhere which is something I say to customers all the time. Are you not entertained? (laughs) Please send help. What I want to talk about is the people who come into a place that is purpose-built around sex and orgasms and still somehow manage to find a way to be an asshole. I've touched on it a little bit before, but we have a few new culprits this last week, and I can't not talk about it. First was a guy who came in with a total stick up his ass. Now, my dildo store is a very much judgment-free zone. I'm not going to judge you if you have a literal stick up your ass, but you can bet the farm that I'm going to judge you if you have a figurative stick up your ass. And this fella was a turd from the moment he got there. I said hello to him when he walked in the building and he scoffed at me. Like he literally 
scoffed at me. I had to do a reality check really quick to make sure I wasn't in like an 80s sitcom because I didn't think people actually did that in real life. And if you ever come into my dildo store to buy a goodie or seven, I want to give you a gentle reminder that I am contractually obligated to greet you and say hello. All you have to do to complete the social contract is have a minimal amount of human decency and say hi. That is it. One word, one syllable. Hi. It isn't any kind of physically taxing to not be a piece of shit as far as I'm aware. But also, I can't, for the life of me, seem to grasp the idea of a balk rule in baseball. So, what the fuck do I know? Alright, so, dude walks in, stick firmly up his ass, heads right over to the butt stuff. Doesn't want any help. Now, this is the part where I give fellas in particular a little bit of latitude. I've talked before on the program about guys who come in and are standoffish around the butt stuff because they're a little nervous and looking to broaden their horizons, but also feel a little embarrassed. I'll say now what I said then. It's unfortunate that they're embarrassed, but also I totally get it in a way that I do not get it at all. So stick man, Dude was rail thin, so that nickname is all sorts of appropriate. Stickman was perusing the butt stuff for a little bit, finds a winner, and brings it to the register. Right on. He got himself a little cheapy, battery-operated prostate toy. Cool. Let's ring him out. We don't take any returns or exchanges at the store because... Ew. So whenever there's a toy that is, you know, what any kind of mechanical, I break it open and test it out, make sure it works. Most people will literally thank me. Firstly, for not taking returns, and Seconberg for testing out their toy. So I tell them exactly what I just told you, and I throw a pair of disposable plastic lunch lady gloves on to test out the toy. I open the box, take the toy out, and right as I do that, he in the most pissy tone possible, mind you, says, you know what, I'm good, and then walks out of the store. Very rarely am I left speechless, but that was one of those moments. But I do have a lot of questions. I understand the idea of feeling a little bit embarrassed to be in a store like that, depending on your upbringing. I've seen people nervous and terrified coming into the store, clearly wanting to buy something, holding it in their hand and then putting it back and walking out because they couldn't do it. But this dude brought it up to the register. His wallet was in his hand. He was right there. Why would he puss out right at the end? What did he have to gain? I will be the first one to admit that I'm a total asshole. Actually, let me assure you that Mrs. What's-Her-Name would be the first one to admit I'm a total asshole, but I digress. I will never understand people's propensity to choose a bad attitude and project it onto strangers for no reason whatsoever. So the very next day, an older lady comes in. And let me tell you something. When I say older, I am not fucking with you. I adore when older people come to the dildo store because they are not shy, they are not coy, they are not quiet, and they are not embarrassed. They know what they want and they are not afraid at all to tell you. And they are always flabbergasted by the technology that is built into sex toys right now. There's some crazy shit out there. So she finds the stuff that she's looking for and comes up to ring it out. 
Right on. Let's go, Grandma. Her total is whatever it was. She takes out a wad of $5 bills. A little odd, but totally fine. Legal tender for all debts, public and private, right? So she is counting her Finskis. She starts talking about, I'm going to I'm gonna do as best as I can, but she's like, I have to use $5 bills because Biden, blah, 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 blah. You would think that I am in the one fucking place where I wouldn't hear about any kind of political conversation at all. How and why would you convert buying any kind of toy to cram up one of your holes into talking and bitching about the president? I didn't ask. I'm not interested. All I'm thinking about is whether or not I want a coffee on my way home. And then how does Biden's existence and policy translate into you having to use $5 bills? And why is that such an inconvenience for you? Her total was like 80 bucks. She could have gone to any bank and exchanged it for 20s. When I was growing up, my grandparents always taught me three things that you never bring up in public conversation. Those are politics, religion, and sex. Just because one of those is encouraged at the particular place that you're at doesn't mean you can slide the other two in there. If way back in the 1940s, someone wanted to fuck Curly Howard, you don't see Larry and Moe showing up going, if you fuck one of us, you gotta fuck all three of us. You know, that actually makes me wonder how much snooch the Three Stooges pulled when they were at the top of their game. Like, none of them were exactly Matt Reif, but also if Pete Davidson is getting top shelf pussy, I feel like when Shemp was in the group, he could probably bring home a couple of fours. All right, you guys, it is Pride Month. So let's talk about gay shit. I fucking love gay shit. So everyone has their one social gree that one thing that matters to them a little more than all the other stuff, that thing that we're the most passionate about. For most of my life, Mine has been LGBTQ rights. I am going to do my best to be careful and not get preachy because I don't want to be that guy. But I do want to talk about some of the things that I've experienced that has made gay shit matter to me and a few of the things that I have learned along the way. Being primarily raised by women, I would definitely say that I understood the feminine aspect of a lot of things before I understood the masculine side of them. When I was very young, I wanted to get my ears pierced because I thought it looked pretty. And the word pretty was not a bad word growing up. It wasn't the only thing that I was taught that mattered, but it was something that I learned was important, that you not only feel pretty, but that you look pretty. When I was in maybe second or third grade, I used my mom's bright red nail polish to paint my nails before school, and I couldn't wait to show everybody. Guess how that turned out? You know what? You don't have to guess. I'll tell you. I got sent home because I was told something along the lines of it not being appropriate. I think that was the day that I also wore my light blue onesie pajamas to school. I looked like a 1980s crazy person and a 2023 hot mess. When I 
started getting into high school, aside from playing guitar and listening to metal, I didn't really care a lot about dude stuff. I still don't. I didn't act particularly stereotypically masculine, and I was friends with a few girls, but I wasn't dating any of them. Now, if this is the part where you're expecting to hear about how I got a lot of shit in high school for people thinking I was gay, you would be right. Life sucks and children are cruel, but it didn't end there. My family accused me on multiple occasions of being gay. And when I think back on it, it did make me upset, but not because I didn't want to be seen as gay. I think it made me upset because nobody in my family really took the time to learn about who I was then. I remember one year on my birthday, my whole family was together, not for my birthday, but because it was Thanksgiving, which my birthday falls on every couple of years. And I opened a birthday card from one of my female friends that had a bunch of hot dudes on it, which didn't help my case for trying to convince anyone that I was straight. I will admit to this day, I'm not really sure why I got a birthday card with a bunch of hot dudes on it, but I still appreciate the gesture. But there was this super uncomfortable moment that followed where literally everyone in my family started encouraging me to come out. They were asking, Matthew, are you gay? I told him, no, I wasn't gay at all, but that did not stop them. They kept leaning in. They were like, it's totally okay if you're gay. If you tell us, we'll accept you. I kept saying that I wasn't gay and I got so frustrated that I eventually started crying, which also probably didn't help my case. But I just wanted to be accepted for being me, not the person that people assumed that I was. It ended up being kind of a night runer, which was a pisser. And that wasn't the only time that happened. There were multiple times in my life where I had to end myself to my family, specifically throughout my teenage years, because they all thought I was gay. I had a shitty stepfather who called me all the names you're thinking that he could right now. And then of course at school, more of the same. It was a very confusing time. And I've mentioned this previously, but a lot of things in my life changed for me when I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time with my grandmother. It was the first real time I was a party to what I considered to be gay culture and androgyny, and I fucking loved it. The entire movie was either a big party, an orgy, super dramatic, or a mix of all three, and it was all accompanied by music. Plus, they were all wearing black. I realized pretty quickly that was my shit. I didn't care who they were or what they did. Those were my people. Those were the ones I would want to party with if I had the choice. Plus, Tim Curry could walk in heels better than any woman I had ever met at that time, and that's the truth. Something I realized around that time was if I was getting this much shit, because people thought I was gay. I couldn't imagine how much shit people would get when they were actually gay. And then the whole Matthew Shepard thing happened. If you don't know or you don't remember, brace yourselves because this story sucks. And even though it happened in 1998, I'm gonna call it the worst of the week because this is an extremely important story that will never leave me in the worst kind of way. Shepard was a college student in Wyoming 
and he walked up to these two men at a bar and offered to buy them a pitcher of Heineken. Once the guys realized that they were being hit on and that Shepard was gay, they offered to give him a ride home. But instead, they drove him out to the middle of a field and they beat the ever-loving shit out of him. They tied him to a fence post in the middle of the field they were at and they continued to torture him. One of the guys pistol whipped him until his skull was fractured and then they left him to die, which he did alone in the freezing cold in an empty field. He was there for days. I don't know how long exactly, and I really don't want to look it up. People would drive by him, but nobody stopped because they thought he was a scarecrow. And when he was found, his face and head were covered in blood, except for trails down his face where you could see his skin because he'd been crying. I have no fucking jokes. And I fucking hate Heineken. That story was all over the news for a very long time, and it broke my heart. Between the things that I was feeling in my own life and then hearing about that story, I would never be the same. A couple of years later, I had just moved to Arizona, and the girl I was with at the time, who may have accidentally became my wife for a very short time, We'll just go ahead and save that story for the Patreon. But she had a few friends that were gay and they became my friends. And I learned something really valuable. I was at coffee with one of my gays and we were talking about drag queens and transvestites. My friend was referring to them as she and I was referring to them as he. My friend let me get away with it a couple of times before he justifiably went cold bitch on me and said, it's she, stop referring to her as he. My response was the ignorant straight dude response, but he has a penis, so I'm gonna refer to him as he. My friend's response, which obliterated my entire perspective in one sentence was, quote, if she wants to be referred to as she, is it physically injuring you to do something that makes her happy, end quote. There is no fucking arguing the other side of that. None. We have all decided to call him Sting because that is what he has wanted to be referred to as for the last 40 fucking years instead of Gordon, which is his actual first name. Nobody fucking calls Bono Paul. Have you ever heard anyone talk about Meatloaf using the name Marvin? If we can call those people that because that's what they want, why can't we just extend that and keep it moving? Between that, my endless love of literally every episode of Will and Grace, my continuing obsession with Elton John, and never having to pay for drinks at gay bars, which by the way, are a blast. If you have never been to a gay bar, that's a mistake. You have to go. It is so much more fun than any straight bar you have ever been to. Gay culture, gay rights, gay pride have become a passion for me. And literally over the course of my entire life and to this day people still tell me that either they think I'm gay or they are surprised that I'm not but these days instead of getting angry or defensive or crying I just say thanks I'm gonna do a little bit of a provocative best of the week but I'm gonna stand by it Pat Robertson host of the 700 Club 
which was a weekend morning cartoon ruiner for many of us as kids, passed away recently. I guess his bigotry-fueled heart just wouldn't let him live through one more Pride Month. Now, we don't wish death on anyone, right? Pat Robertson loved his kids too, as long as they weren't gay or liberal or any shade other than white or atheist. But I'm not entirely mad that that piece of shit is gone. It isn't that I'm glad he's dead. It's that I am completely okay with the fact that he's not alive anymore. (laughs) For Song of the Week, I want to tell you guys about a project that I'm working on right now and then a little story that all leads into the motif of this episode. And for the listener out there who bet me that I couldn't get away with using the word motif, you owe me 10 bucks at Atomic Skull Podcast on Venmo. Ever since I got my first iPod back in the early 1940s, I have had a playlist that I have curated called Just Push Play. Essentially, it is a lot of songs from every corner of any music genre that you can think of, and it's something that I can just throw on and you never know what you're going to hear next. Every four years or so, I delete that playlist and make a new one with the same name and the same idea, but with a slightly different execution. The current Just Push playlist that I have is about 4,400 songs, but a month or so ago, I started getting that itch to shed my musical skin, so to speak, and start over, which is what I've been doing. I am putting together a brand new big-ass playlist But the way I'm approaching it differently this time is that I'm making a bunch of smaller playlists that I'm going to combine to make a new big one. If you're a fan of Power Rangers, it's basically like a Megazord situation. So I've been working pretty hard on that. And it has reignited my passion for music, which is a beautiful thing. Not that it ever really went away, but it's nice when things start to feel so fresh and so clean, clean. Because it is pride, I thought the smaller playlist I would start with would be musicals. I'm not bullshitting you guys out here when I tell you that I love musical numbers just as much as I love metal. So I put this playlist together of songs I love from musicals and there was one on there that reminded me of a story from many years back. I should mention first really quick that the type of song I like the most from a musical is the showstopper. A showstopper is a song that is usually sung by one or two main characters and it is so named because if the performance of it is that good the reception and applause from the audience is so long that the show has to stop and wait for it to end. A couple of examples of that would be I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis, Rose's Turn from Gypsy, I Am What I Am from La Caja Full, I Believe from Book of Mormon. If we want to go a little more recent, uh, You'll Be Back from Hamilton is another great example. Okay, so a little over a decade or so back, I was in a low-ass place. I was dealing with a shitty breakup. I had lost half my friends because of it. 
I was alone in a one-bedroom apartment and feeling extra shitty about myself and especially terrified of the future. And I wasn't the only one in my life like that. I had a few friends who were also going through breakups and having some rough times. I guess it was uncuffing season? Decuffing season? Is that even a thing? I don't know. The friends I had that were also going through those breakups had each asked me to make playlists for them to help them get out of their funk. If you didn't catch it, I love making playlists and I've gotten pretty darn good at them. I was talking with one of them who told me about one of the songs I put on her playlist that helped her feel better and more positive and motivated to not give up during a difficult time. I couldn't tell you what the song was, but she told me that I needed to find that song for myself that would bring all that despair out of my body and help me feel like the world wasn't going to end. Something empowering, heartbreaking, emotional, and optimistic all at the same time. I told her, nope, I have nothing that covers all of that at once in the catalog in my brain. I didn't even think a song like that existed. Cut to a few months later, I was cleaning my shitty little apartment and a song came on in my headphones that I had only listened to a couple of times before that, but I hadn't really gotten into. And wouldn't you know it, it fit all the criteria. I stopped dead in my tracks and I fucking wept. Tears of sadness, tears of joy, tears of strength, tears of not being gay. It is the ultimate showstopper for me and it completely changed the trajectory of where my brain and where my heart were heading. And it is going to be my song of the week this week. And that song is Defying Gravity by Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel, or as she is sometimes referred to, Adele Nazim, from the show Wicked. And it is on the Atomic Skull Podcast Songs of the Week playlist on Spotify. Listen and sing along with all you've got in the car, in the shower, in public, anywhere you want, because that song is a fucking shredder. It is one of the best Broadway songs of all time. Mrs. What's-Her-Name and I want to karaoke the song together, but we keep arguing over who will play Elphaba, like you do. And that is my bullshit this week, boys. Between starting with Comic-Con and ending with Wicked, it seems like wizards are the central theme to this one. Always a huge thanks to each of you individually for checking in. I love you guys a ton. It means it all to me week after week, and that will never change. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Atomic Skull Podcast. Wherever you are listening to this piece of business, which is now pretty much available anywhere, please subscribe and give me five stars and invite some friends to come hang. Would love it if you could do that. I had a lot of fun with this one, and I already can't wait to check back in with you guys again. Apologies to my mother-in-law, and how are you doing? 